0: Hi everyone, it's your girl Sheki Lola Salami and this is the Sheki Salami show. It's a nice Virgin Cafe podcast and it's a really lovely day, you know, 2018, I was about to say 2016, trying to take us backwards, no, 2018, you know, seems to be gearing up and I'm, you know, just really, I don't know, I'm just there today, today's just like another day. Um, but you know, it's definitely another opportunity to do something amazing. So anyways, um, I hope to do something. Actually, no, saying that, I just remember why I'm excited. We've got a 60th birthday party we're going to this evening. So once we finish in the Virtue Cafe, we're going to be getting ready to go and do some boogie, 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 because it's a surprise birthday for an auntie. Um, But yes, anyways, I'm not going to bore you with that. Um, Who have I got here with me today?
1: Well, for your Uh listeners, Sadiola, my name is Mario Chamilla. And I am an author of a book called Meet Me in Milano, and it starts out with a little bit of my own history. When I was about 25 years old, I lived in New York City, and I dropped everything and decided I wanted to move to Italy to learn about the world of design. And so that's what I did. I I got a one-way ticket, and I went off to seek my fortune. Now, my book starts with the same kind of kernel, but then it evolves into a complete fiction, but uh, it's all about an expat living in the beautiful country of Italy.
0: That sounds, that sounds quite interesting though. Yes, so Mario, Mariucci,
1: where are you from originally? I'm from New York State, uh, the Finger Lakes region of New York. Rochester is the name of the city. Okay, but then your name sounds Italian as well. Yes, well, um, I am an Italian-American, and so my grandparents immigrated from Italy. Uh, Right around the time of the First World War, uh, there was a big earthquake that ripped through Italy, and uh, it's our understanding that as a result of that, they came over to the United States. Uh, my mother, on the other hand, was a daughter of the American Revolution. So her family goes back a long way in the United States, uh, or- originally from the British Isles. So um, I'm a half-Celt, half-Italian American expat to Italy. <laughs> no, that, that
0: sounds um, amazing. So, you know, how old were you when you decided to
1: go back to Italy? Well, I'd finished college, and I went to New York, and my, my big idea was to get a job in, in an architectural firm in New York City, and I did that, but my real dream was to go to Italy because of beautiful, beautiful design that comes out of Italy. I wanted to go there, experience it, and learn from the masters, so it was a little kind of a mecca for me. Now, you're from Nigeria, right, originally? I am indeed. Wow, so you've had a similar kind of adventure, but you left when you were very young, right? I did, yes. (laughs) I did, and the time has just gone so quickly. Yes, and you live in London. Now, um, um, my partner, Bob, lived in London for a long time, so we have two favorite places. We have Italy and and London, so um, we're hoping to spend more time in both places in the future.
0: Oh, you should. London is an amazing place. It's like, for me, I can't imagine why anyone would not want to live in London. Um, But yes, no, definitely
1: (laughs) I should. Well, I don't want to get off the track too much, but I want to tell you that when the last time I was in London, it was a couple of years ago, I was amazed at the diversity of the population and the cuisine, how much it's advanced because of the contribution of all the diverse ethnic groups. And I just thought it was, it felt like being in the center of the universe really is wonderful. Have you been to New York? I
0: haven't. I've only ever been to America once in my life. Um, and sadly, I wasn't too impressed. I went to Florida. Yep. I went to Palm Beach. And because when I was younger, oh. there used to be this thing, what was it called? It was on MTV, an MTV Base Cribs and I used to see, like, all these really pretty houses, and I thought, oh, wow, and so for some reason, I assumed that all the houses in America would look, you know, exactly, you know, the same, that they would have fantastic architecture, (laughs) you know, know, because, again, when I'm from, when you're in London, you're from London, and you go about, and, you know, you see houses that are the most breathtaking buildings ever, right, like, literally, that's why I don't even drive in London, because I love just strolling about and just admiring the beautiful houses that we have here so you know and then i heard so much about florida and i'm like yeah man i'm in the place and then i come and I, see the <laughs> houses and I was sorely disappointed
1: yeah and you know this is part of the reason why i wanted to go to italy in the first place because i was a student of design and i studied architectural history and i thought my god there is such a tradition of beauty in Italy, the buildings, the cities, the the um, art, the furniture, what is it about that place? There must be something in, in the genes of the Italian people. And then I went over there and I'd always wanted to go to Europe. I was always dreaming about, you know, being in one of these European novels that took place in, in the 19th century where they go on the grand tour and so on. Anyway, when I got to Italy, I really made a lot of discoveries, and I understood that when a culture is surrounded and embraces the beauty uh, of the environment, that it's only natural for people who grow there and thrive there to create more beauty. And it was a really, really important lesson for me as a creative person, and I really wanted yeah, and I wanted to I wanted to write about it because I wanted to write about it in a fictional way to try to entice people who are young to go off onto an adventure and to learn about their own culture by looking at another culture and immersing themselves in another culture. It's so important. Yes.
0: Um I've actually been to Italy. Well, that's because I've no geography is not my best it's not my best, my strongest point. So it was Venice. So please tell me, I'm not talking from the, the other side of my body. <laughs> like, you know, Italy, is Venice it? in Italy, isn't it? Please tell me that I, I remember my geography a bit correctly. But yes, um, so I've only been to two places outside of the UK, and that was um, Paris and Venice. And Venice was wow. actually an experience, right? It was like being oh. in London, but in a different way. Like... So you have to, once you get out of the airport, you don't have to go somewhere and you get like a boat because you can't get to Venice, you know, with a car. So you have to get on a boat or go, you know, to actually get into Venice, you know, Venice Square, Venice, wherever it drops you. Um, And I went with, you know, an older auntie and she's religious, she's Catholic. So, you know, it was a big, it was a massive thing for her because there was this um, Catholic church. So she was like in heaven already and she wanted to spend the entire day, dear, which I thought was really boring. I was like, I wanted to experience, you know, the, you know, thing. And it was such, it was a really lovely experience. But then the thing that I thought was that whilst reminded me of London, and yes, the architecture was fantastic. I had no complaints whatsoever. I could literally just walk around. But the beauty about the place was that they had these narrow alleyways So right, I had my map and I was already had a plan. I was looking, I was like, these alleyways are so narrow. These alleyways are so like, it is easy to get lost in there. So we had to then ask for someone to say, hey, can you just put us in the right direction? Make sure we're actually heading, you know, in the correct place to our hotel. But it was so, it was just, it was really an amazing um, experience. And then they had like, you know, like a sea market, but then it was too early. I was like, you know but seriously? I did not come here to get up so early. If I lived there, it would have been the perfect experience for me to get to go to the, you know, to the sea market or the, you know, where you know the, the fishermen bring fish and shrimp and all of those things because I think I would have been thrown in jail if
1: I tried to bring fresh fish from
0: from Venice to London. But yes, it was really lovely.
1: Well, you know, um you spoke about the churches. Uh, Venice has the most mature examples of Renaissance churches by Andrea Palladio and Andrea Palladio was extremely influential in uh, architecture in England, especially in London. So all of the classical architecture that you see with the columns and the arches in London are all derived from the style of the architect who designed those beautiful uh, late 1500s churches. Uh, in Venice. Now, Venice is a very interesting, Venice is such an interesting place that, you know, it brings up one of the points in my book, and that's if you put people, a group of people with determined personalities in a certain setting, uh, you're going to influence their behavior and the connections between them and all of the other outcomes of, of a story, which involves the ecology among different people. So Venice is a perfect example of that because it's almost like a stage set. Now, one time I went, I will tell you two short stories about a trip to Venice. There's nothing really plot wise. It's more atmospheric. But one time I had two sisters who were visiting me, my sister Roberta and my sister Laura. And um, we decided we would go to Venice for the day from Milan on the train. There's a pretty straight shot right across the northern part of the country. And so we got on the train and we were so lucky because we ran into a friend of mine who's a jewelry designer who knows Venice very well. And we asked him, where should we go to eat? And he gave us this address of this restaurant. So when we got to Venice and we pulled up to the Grand Canal after we got off the train and made our way to to the waterfront, my sister Laura was just her mouth was open and she, her eyes were barred and she looked all around her and she said, It's exactly the way I imagined it. And that is such a wonderful thing when that happens. And then we got on the Vaporetto and we went to a place called the Judecca, which is the edge of the outside part of the Sorry, Venice, sorry, sorry can I just a hold you for a second. Sorry, can I you said you got on the sure. what? a vaporetto, which is the, a name for the public transportation there. Right. Okay. It's a kind of boat. It's a yes. kind of boat. Anyway, we went to a part of the city called the Giudecca and we, we ate at this little trattoria, which uh, is a little restaurant and it, it make, they made their own pasta there. So we had homemade pasta and, and white wine from the region. And my two sisters and I were sitting, you know, here we were in Venice. We weren't running around trying to see all the monuments or anything. We were just, sitting there and living there like people, like Venetians. We were sitting on the very edge of the walkway. So the water was right behind us. And the more glasses of wine we had, the more we were concerned about ending up in the drink. But it was just such a <laughs> wonderful memory because the sun, the sun was shining and our chairs were wobbly and the, the water was there. And across the way we could see the Lido with the beautiful church of San Giorgio Maggiore, which you probably remember from St. Mark's Square. That's the church you see across the water. And it was just lovely. Yes, yes. So that's one. Yes, that was where we were. We're not too far from there. Yes. And another time I went with a group of friends from Milan, and we stayed in the flat of one of my friend's father. Um, And it was really fun because it was November, so there were no tourists. And it was really foggy and spooky. And you know how you walk on those little tiny passageways and then it opens up into um, a campo. They're called, they're piazzas or plazas yeah, or yeah. squares. yeah. But they're called campi, which means a field in Italian. Okay. Anyway, um, we were walking around at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. And it was just almost drizzling. Nobody was out. And all we could hear were our footsteps no cars, no buses, no horns, you know, it was just magical. We and we felt like we could sing and dance in the square and nobody w- would even notice that we were there. It was all ours and it was just so magical. Oh, I'll never forget that night. Yeah. So Venice is Venice is beautiful. It's under a lot of pressure right now.
0: Oh, really? It's Why? Very
1: frail. Well, two things. One, the sea level is rising and Venice is, you know, going to be experienced a lot more high water. Um, in some circumstances, they have to put uh, raised walkways out of wood. They have a whole system set up for when the water comes up higher than the level of the canals. So the city is in danger of going underwater. Um, that's a big environmental danger. The other danger is one that's been growing slowly, which is the, the um, in the pressure of too much tourism. Uh, now, there's always been a lot of tourists in Venice in, in the summer months, but now you have these gargantuan cruise ships coming in. So when you look out of St. Mark's Square to the water, instead of seeing the water and then the church on, uh, on the island across the lagoon, now you see this big, massive wall, this floating hotel, of people who are getting discharged from it to swarm the streets of Venice. So it's really kind of sad. And aesthetically, it really jars you to see that when you're in Venice, that has such delicate Byzantine architecture. Oh, that's a
0: shame. So what are they doing? Because I always thought that, and again, pardon, because, you know, geography and history, I should write, it's not really my, it's never, it's not something that I've been very good at. But then I thought um, Venice was a land reclamation place. So couldn't they do the same thing?
1: Well, there are techniques that you can use to improve site by site, but it's very expensive. One thing they can do is basically, instead of a basement, they have something that's kind of like, a tank, it's like a swimming pool that holds water. Mm. Um, So that's one thing that if you have an expensive, valuable property, you need to have a drainage basin underneath the building. So that's one thing that you would have to do at your own expense. Another thing they can do is they can actually drill into the ground and Mm. inject the material that raises the level of the land but it's not feasible to do this for the whole city now. So because I'm a landscape architect, I know a little bit about managing water. Uh, One, the only way they can really, you know, mitigate the situation of the, the sea level rising is if they create more inland channels for the water to go into. You know, they have to give it a place to go, basically. Yeah. So there are two ways to do it. You can raise the land. Which is extremely expensive, and also, you know, how hard you raise it, and then when do you have to raise it more? The other way to do it is to get, you know, waterways going inland and creating storage areas, which can become wildlife habitat and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of good things about doing that. And this goes for any coastal region. But anyway, Italy is an incredibly fascinating place, both from the architectural, you know, things that were designed by by people, as well as the natural landscape. In a place like Venice, you get a beautiful marriage of those two things. But the icing on the cake, and the whole point of my book is the Italian people are just so wonderful. Um, I miss being in Italy. I'm in the states right now, okay. um, but I'm planning to go back. I'm planning to go back to Italy soon. I'm going to be a dual citizen. I'm working on that right now. Okay. Two two um, questions. Oh,
0: sorry. Go on. Go ahead. No, go. Two questions. Right. Why did you decide at the time to buy a one-way ticket? Right. And how long did you stay (laughs) before going back
1: to the US? Well, I was there for eighteen years in my first time there. Um, I bought a one-way ticket for two reasons. One, because I I hardly had any money. (laughs) But but the main reason was. I didn't want, failure was not an option as as the cliche goes. You know, I, I didn't want to give myself a way out. I wanted to really, you know, people were making fun of me. My boss in New York said, okay, we'll see you in a month. You know, they thought I was going to go there and I wouldn't succeed in getting a job. And as it turns out, my timing was pretty good. This was in the 80s. So um, Milan was booming as a design center. It still is, but it's changed a little bit, but fashion was really big, um, furniture design, product design, you know, interior design, all those things were going really, really wild. And people were coming from all over the world to, to learn from the masters in Milan. And it was such a cool environment. You would, you would have loved it. First of all, all the young people working in all the studios were expats. So there were Brits there and Dutch and Germans and French and and people, folks from New Delhi and uh, folks from Tokyo. And it was so wonderful to be in this place where all these people my age were, were all converging because they all wanted to be designers. Some were fashion designers, some were furniture designers, some were architects. And we'd all go to all of these openings and things together. And maybe we didn't hang out together, but we always saw each other at these events. And every time you went to a studio, there'd be some young person working there. Obviously, there was a big advantage for the Italian companies to hire foreigners because they weren't as responsible in terms of payroll taxes and things like that to the government with the foreign workers, you could just pay them as consultants and it was a lot cheaper to hire us. We didn't know that. We thought, oh my God, we'll never get a job there. We have to compete with the Italians. But actually we were the so-called you know, immigrant class who were coming in and occupying um, some of the lower level positions in, in the creative studios.
0: Okay, okay, That sounds that sounds interesting. So what five things did you learn from the first time you bought your one-way ticket? What what things did I learn from it? Um, yeah, so if someone else would think it, they've listened to this and they thought, wow, you know what, you had a very, you know, amazing time. Um, you know, what five things did you learn that anyone who wants to just think to themselves, you know what, I've got a passion for this. I want to go on an adventure. I want to go somewhere new, learn something new. Um, what five things would you tell them that you've learned that you think you wish you had known before you set out
1: Well, um, the first thing is don't learn too much because you won't go if you fi- <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but if you if you investigate too much what the obstacles are going to be, you're going to be overwhelmed by them in reality, when you go someplace and you take a chance. You won't be disappointed as long as you take one problem at a time. So that's the first thing I learned. Don't be overprepared. So flexibility is key. Um, another thing is create relationships. People are so willing to help you when you're in a foreign country, um, and you—it's amazing. How when you're walking down the street and you're in difficulty and and you see a kind face and you ask for some advice, you you never know what's going to happen. That's the whole adventure part of it. So I think that forging relationships is the second thing. And again, you have to be uh, flexible uh, about uh, what kind of situations you encounter. Another thing you can do is look for other people who are in a similar situation as you are I I hope I can get up to five things, but here's three good ones anyway. um, If you can find other people who are uh, foreigners who are traveling, for example, if you're a Brit and you go to a place where there are other Brits, they can give you some advice and they'll also speak your language about, you know, what you're, they're, they're going to anticipate what's going to be difficult for you. Now, when I went to Italy, I was lucky because my sister was there. And she was able to introduce me to a few people who were from England or some Italians or Americans who were married to Italians. And so these people are key to connecting you. They're they're like in a family that's a mixed family. And and, and so they can really help you out a lot. Um, So I stayed away from hanging out with other people who spoke my language. I wanted to immerse myself in the Italian culture. So after the first couple of months, I went to Milan and I was forced to speak Italian, to write my grocery lists in Italian, to talk on the phone in Italian, to do everything in Italian. And that was really important. So totally immerse yourself. And then the last thing to get to number five, I would say don't overdo it. And by that I mean you don't need to walk into every church and look at every painting. And and sometimes you miss The whole point of being in a foreign country, if you try to do too many sightseeing adventures, I think the most important thing is to go sit down someplace at a cafe and sit there for a couple of hours and let the world happen around you and look at the ordinary life. This is the richest part of the culture and hanging out in a coffee shop and and chatting with people and you'll find that they're so willing to sit down and, and, and share something with you and, and you with them. And, and that's what makes it so beautiful to travel to another country.
0: You are very correct, especially that last part. Um, because the other day, I think I read a comment. I think it was on my phone. It gives me notifications of news. And someone you know, had posted that they were feeling a bit frustrated because they had relocated from London and they'd gone to a new town for work, and they were considering moving back to London because they didn't know anybody, and they were struggling to make friends. So I'm guessing if the person actually did that, you know, just went into a coffee shop, and, you know, here we've got lots of coffee shops all over the place, and, you know, even if you just go and stay, you know, and strike a conversation with the salesperson there, or, you know, the, the attendant, you know, and just sort of become a regular, you know, then voila you know you've immersed yourself you've met someone new and you know things just sort of flow you know flow that way
1: yes and you know um these little places have people for example the guy behind the bar um yeah you 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 they get to know you that you tell them a little bit about yourself then the next time someone walks in that they think you might want to meet they're going to introduce you to them because they love to connect people.
0: Exactly. So the more
1: Yes, so you go to the you go to the to the deli and you buy your prosciutto, you buy your cheese, and you chat it up a little bit because you've got to have a conversation with everyone that you have a transaction with. So you're doing all these daily transactions, but it's becoming more and more social. And this is something that we lack here in the United States. Um, you can find it in some of the larger cities where there are real neighborhoods and the neighborhoods have shops. But if you go to some place like your experience was West Palm Beach, you're not going to find that kind of urban culture in the United States, in Florida, unless you go to someplace like Miami. But if you're in New York City, for example, if you're in Brooklyn, you're going to find that kind of culture where you can make friends with people who are working in shops. And if you don't know what to do and you're lonely in a foreign country, go to a shop and buy something. Talk to the people who are selling them to you. People who trade. And you come from a country where there's a strong tradition of trading. The women do the trading, right, in the market, if I'm not mistaken? What, you mean in Nigeria? Yes.
0: Um. Yeah, mostly. But men do men do trading. There are things that you would see, you know, mostly guys do. And then you things you will see you know, sort of mostly w- women do, but then, you know, the lines are sort of blurred, like, you know, there isn't anything, quote unquote, a guy would do that, or you wouldn't see a woman do, but yes, I, I get what you mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, so anyway, um, and of course, they have those big markets in Italy, every city has a day, and I used to live in one spot, uh, for a period of time, I lived outside of Milan, about an hour west, near Lago Maggiore, which is one of the most beautiful lakes in the uh, pre Alpine region below Switzerland. Uh, I lived there for a few years, and there were many little towns around me. So on Monday, there was a market in a town called Oleggio, and on Tuesday, it was in a town called Arona, and then on Wednesday, it was in Sesto Calende. So every day, we would pack up our small children and and the strollers and we would go and spend the morning at the market so we'd start out with a nice cappuccino and then we'd walk around and we'd talk to the cheese the people who owned the cheese shop and then we would talk to the people at the bakery and little by little we made friends with all of these people and the next day we would go to the market wherever that was and we would do our grocery shopping there it was wonderful every day we would be buying something fresh to eat that day and And then we made our first friends that way and we would have a party and they would all bring their cheeses and their, and their, um, little delicacies to our house for our parties. And, you know, people would bring wine and, and someone would bring the music. And this is how we made our, built our community. And it's really important when you're in a foreign country to get into a community and, um, Italy is such a wonderful place to do that. I mean, every every big city, it's hard at the beginning to make friends, but you have to, you have to go out and connect.
0: Definitely, definitely, definitely. I do agree with you. So tell us again, what is the name of your book?
1: My book is called meet me in Milano and it has that name for a reason. Um, the protagonist in this book is a woman who like me was in New York and decided to go to Milan to work as a designer. That's the only similarity with my life that the book has, but she has a boyfriend that she, they've had a a breach of trust. So uh, they're, they're in New York together, but they split up and she goes to Milan. Um, Now he had been trying to arrange to go with her, but they split up and he decided to go anyway. So now they're both in Milan, but she doesn't know that he's there. And she enters into the world of architecture and she makes her acquaintances and has her experience trying to find a job. And he goes and works in a photography studio. So you meet the people that she's connecting with. You meet the people he's connecting with. And little by little, those two circles move closer together and start to collide. And the two of them are brought into contact with one another where they start to discuss and resolve, in some degree, the issues that they had when they were in New York. But now they're in another place, they're in a new context, and they're able to look at their situation in a different way. And it takes time throughout the book. But while this is happening, other people are emerging in the story, people who are Italian men, uh, Italian women, Of different age groups so there are people in the story who are 25 and there are people in the story who are 55 and they're all undergoing these relationship issues and they're working them out and then from Milan the book takes you to Rome twice it takes you to down to Naples it takes you to uh, Lake Como a couple of times and it takes you into the countryside uh, near Bologna where uh, to a farm so this is very emblematic of the life in Milan. When you go to Milan, you want to leave on the weekend. It's kind of like being in New York or London. You have friends who have a house out in the country, and they ask you, or at the seaside, and they invite you to come for the weekend. And this is one of the most exciting things about living in a big city in Europe is getting these invitations where five or six people who know each other end up in this setting somewhere else. And then all the magic happens. There's a weekend together and you have these little adventures together. And I just found that to be one of the most enjoyable things to me about being in Italy was going to different places with different groups of people and kind of just seeing the chemistry evolve.
0: Well, that sounds truly amazing, but it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And I hope when, the you know, one of the listeners at least would find it inspiring and it might motivate or inspire them to want to go on an adventure and just get a one-way ticket and just try something new. I mean, you only live once, right? You know, so why not? That's Um, right. (laughs) Anyways. Yes. Sorry, go on.
1: No, I just wanted to say, if you do have listeners who have had some fun experiences as expats, and I'd love to hear from them. I'd love to have them get in touch with me. And sorry about that, a little technical glitch. Anyway, I just wanted to reach out to your listeners and say, I hope you uh, will enjoy my book if you read it, Meet Me in Milano by Mario Chamila. But I'd mostly like to hear from you about your own adventures as you travel the world. And it was so great talking to you, Sajilola. and I love what you're doing, and I wish you the best.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming over. Um, You know, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and I really enjoyed listening to you instead of just reminiscing on my little time um, in Venice, and it's a shame to hear about, you know, what Venice is facing um, at the moment. Um, And who knows, you know, maybe one day soon I might, you know, have a return Um, trip and actually I can say that Venice was the first place that I tasted my first lobster it was actually quite (laughs) seriously it was quite disappointing though because lobster just tasted like crab like it was just a really big crab or really (laughs) big king prawn like it was just like I I don't know for some reason I kind of thought the taste would be something different but it was just like a big crab (laughs)
1: <laughs> well that's that's they're in the similar they're similar types of animals in in the end you know yeah yeah but there's so much good so much good food in italy so much wonderful food and so many beautiful places and um, can i tell you before we go can i tell you my favorite area of italy go on then it's liguria yeah. which is the italian riviera It's the most beautiful, beautiful part for me. Uh, Combination of the food, the landscape, the sea, and the people. And you'll meet lots of people from all over there.
0: Fabulous, fabulous. And how can people connect with you if they want to do so?
1: Well, my handle on Instagram and Facebook is at M-A-R-I-U-M-I-L-L-A. At okay, that's right. And that's on Facebook and Instagram. But if you have trouble with that, just Google me and you'll find me, Mariu Chamila, And um, if you look up Meet Me in Milano, you can see how to spell my name and everything will be wonderful with the world.
0: Yes, yes. Well, everyone, thank you so much. For, oh, I almost forgot. Right, little human, are you going to say bye, everyone? Bye everyone See you later. See you later. Okay, thanks for stopping by.
1: <laughs> Thank you for stopping by.
0: Fabulous. Well, it's been an <laughs> <She's laughs> impression. Well, until next time, everyone, it's me, the Shakil- uh, lola Salami, and it is the lola Salami Show. And if you wanted to do me a massive, massive favor, I would really appreciate it if you left a review on itunes stitcher tuning and anywhere else you um, listen to the show just so that other people can know what you think about the show and who knows maybe i might get new listeners to come and enjoy as well
1: but that would be great yes thank you until then bye now